Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. We're going to deal tonight with 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And the whole book, we're looking through the lens of development. Developing different things in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's really about church discipline. But we're going to look, about, look at it through the lens of developing our level, our standard of church fellowship. That's really what it's about. And the Corinthians were... Off the chain, okay? And it wasn't a crazy church. Paul, who was an apostle, founded the church. So it had good foundations and good roots. But So we can see uh, uh, what we need to talk about. So if you've ever heard the expression, Florida man, okay? That's an expression that the whole world knows. So... The expression Florida man taken from news articles concerning people, generally men, who are from the great state of Florida. And these stories from news articles called to uh, our attention strange and unusual crimes (laughs) of Florida men. So in USA Today, this is some articles from 2019. Florida man accused of giving beer to an alligator. You know, when you read that, young alligator beaten and given cigarette, Florida man arrested. So these are true. This is from the USA Today. And it might have been your neighbor, okay? Florida man who reportedly bought an $8 million island arrested for alleged Kmart theft. So Florida man arrested for burglarizing cars in jail parking lot moments after being released. <laughs> yes. Maybe that was here. It's like, I know, I know some, could have been my cousin. Right. And yes, now we're not going to leave out Florida women. So Florida woman embezzles $60,000 from her new job while on probation for embezzling from her old job. Florida women have to fall in, right? So, well, the reason that I'm sharing that is when we read verse 1, there was a Florida man in the church in Corinth. So that's why we're, that's why we're talking, because there's, there's a headline there. And, and, so, and, and really from verse 1 to 5, there was a problem with their fellowship, okay? So what's fellowship anyway? Fellowship is defined by the dictionary as a friendly association, but it's more than that. It's especially with people who share one's interests. So they have comic con, right? So people who like comics, they go to the comic convention, right? It's the superhero con, and all of the superhero uh, uh, aficionados attend, and there's probably coffee con, and there might be X-con. I don't know, but anyway, so... Christian fellowship, our united interests are Jesus Christ. That is why it's sometimes very difficult. Have you ever talked to someone and as soon as you mention Jesus Christ, they're a different person? And, and all of a sudden you don't get along. It's just like, why? There's no fellowship there spiritually. So 
we want this is really with Christian fellowship. So we want to talk about this and understand we're approaching it in the right way. Not with fellowship with people who don't know God, but this is Christian fellowship. So there was a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Verse 1, Paul said, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. So... This wasn't necessarily the person's mother that they married because it said father's wife. So we've all heard of relationships where it's a stepmom or a third wife or something like that. But if he had married his stepmom after his father had died, that wouldn't be fornication, right? That would just be strictly different, you know, but it would fit in Florida. But it wouldn't necessarily be wrong with God. So that's not what this is talking about. This is a Florida Man article, okay? And if you look about at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 12, Paul said he talks about the one that had suffered the wrong. So evidently the father was still alive. So what may have been happening, and we don't know that he was dating his father's wife because it was fornication. She was either married to him or they were separated, but and he had chose to date her. Or try, I mean, it was a mess. And it said everybody knew about it. I mean, it was a train wreck, and it wasn't something that was, they say, on the down low, you know, trying to keep it, uh, keep it uh, a secret. It was common knowledge. And, you know, like four million views on YouTube. Everybody knew about this guy. And the reason that isn't important, because this wasn't a new Christian, this wasn't someone who was putting things together. Evidently, the reason that this was brought up is this was a leader, some type of leader in the church. And so the Bible says, verse 2, and you're puffed up. Paul said, you are proud of this. And if not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, they weren't necessarily proud of the Florida man, okay? They weren't proud of that. But you know what they were probably proud of? They were just so proud. If you read about the church in Corinth, they were so proud that everyone had a prophecy and everyone had a psalm. Everyone was like wanting to raise their hand and, and show their gift. And uh, so the church admired this Florida man. I'm just going to call him Florida man. Paul didn't name him. And you notice that there's a lot of gentleness Paul didn't name the man. And, and, and there's a lot of gentleness that God exercises for people to get right and not be publicly shamed. That's not God's business. So, But evidently, the church admired his gifts. Have you ever watched American Idol? Like, whoa, that guy can sing or that lady can act or, you know, they have these great gifts. And so evidently, this man uh, was a great choir director. Like, oh, that guy can lead a choir and listen, listen to his voice. Or he's great with the kids. <laughs> Not with my kids, you know. But, or maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe he was a great giver. Maybe he gave lots of money to the church. But at whatever it was, they looked past his relationships and said, that's not such a big deal. They're just two consenting adults, right? But we just want to emphasize what he can do behind the pulpit or within the church doors. And, you know, it's interesting. You say, well, preacher, why is it important? Because... If there's a rock star that goes to American Idol, they might be very talented. Their personal life is their personal life. But with the preacher, it's not the same way. 
So well, preachers live the same way, but if they're caught, they don't. They're out of the church, and it happens. They say, well, that's a scandal. But if a rock star does it, they just get more views. If a politician does it, and they lie about it, then they might get kicked out for lying, but just because they did it, it might further their career, okay? But preachers are held to a higher standard. You know, as soon as you become a Christian, people begin to look at your life. It's not fair, but it's the way that it is. Because they want to see if you live it or just talk it. Because they expect us to live a different way. In the church in Corinth, the gentleman's life was doing things his way, but he was not held to account. So Paul said, for I verily as absent in body, he wasn't absent-minded, he was absent-bodied, okay? That means he wasn't in Corinth, but present in spirit. That doesn't mean how people say, I'm going to go there in spirit. What he meant was that the spirit of God had given him full. This is a spiritual gift. Paul had it. He discerned the spirit of this person. And he said, because of the Holy Ghost that uh, dealt with my heart, I know what this is going on here. And this is wrong. And I've made a call on it. Right. He said, as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. And then he said, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, whew, that's pretty rough, right? Say, preacher... Well, this was a man who hadn't repented. Again, we're not talking about someone who's new. Yeah, you know that when you know, folks start coming to church, they give their life to Jesus Christ. They're like, you know what? I think we should, I think we should get married. I think, you know, and, and God begins to deal with our hearts. But this was a guy who was like risen in the church, but he was still living the Florida man lifestyle. And so Paul said, that's just not right. And, you know, God will give us, if you ever know this, if you serve God, God will give you his space to repent and then he might have the preacher teach on it then he might have the preacher preach on it you might turn on the radio there was a guy that was a bank robber and he turned on the radio and the preacher on the uh, tv excuse me the television and the preacher on the television said you're living a double life and he was and he was like oh but you know that god will use something to get your attention and then eventually, maybe the pastor will just come and sit down and say, look, we've got to talk. Why? Because God elevates, <laughs> elevates the level of force, right? And uh, he does it in love, but he doesn't start out this way. So this is something that had risen and grown for quite a while. And the, it, the Christians, and, and the reason fornication is wrong is it, it is, it's, it's, so fornication, what is it? There's varying degrees of it, okay? Adultery is fornication, but fornication is not necessarily adultery. Adultery involves married people. Fornication means sex outside of marriage. That's what it means. And uh, the reason that the Bible condemns it is because it, it is not what Christ stands for because a relationship with Christ is a commitment. Do you remember reading about Israel? They would be called... Uh, adulterers and adulteresses but it was spiritual because they would go play to the god of israel and then they'd go worship their other gods and they were happy doing both 
but they didn't want to make a commitment. And I think, was it the NFL draft is going on or just, just happened? And men will commit. They'll have the jersey, right? They'll commit to a team, but they won't play on two teams, you know? But that's what people who form this, I want to play on this team, and then I want to play on this team, and, you know, I'm going to go get this team over here. But there's no commitment to a team. A marriage is a commitment. Have you ever seen that? For better or for worse, for fatter or for skinnier, for balder or for hair, you know, or, you know, well-coiffed hair. But, and that's, that's mean preaching, but you know what? It's a commitment. You say, you know, lady, I'm going to be with you. Guy, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to commit. So fornication, it was cre- and, and marriage was created by God in Genesis. It said that man would leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. That's the sexual relationship. And I'm not trying to be graphic, but that's just what one flesh means in the book of Genesis. And the Bible says to avoid fornication, if you don't want to be caught up in that, because it's a desire for most people to have that kind of relationship, the hormones are put there by God, okay? He said, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So there's a way out. There is a way. And let me tell you, uh, my marriage has gotten a lot better and steamier and I'm not trying to, we'll stop right there, but it's been awesome. And it's like, they say, what is it better with age or whatever? It's not like, you know, let me tell you, once you get to know your spouse and love your spouse, there's a connection called intimacy that you can't have with fornication because you don't know if the person's going to leave the next day or if they brought home a disease. Uh, something, mm-hmm, it happens out there. So, so what, is, what does Paul say? To deliver such an one to Satan. Woo! What does that mean? It means they're going to be disfellowshipped from the church or excommunicated, okay? It, but say, what do you mean delivered to Satan? Well, the world belongs to two masters. Okay, if you're living in fornication, you're not under Christ. It says uh, the world belongs to two masters, Jesus and Satan, spiritually. Okay, when someone professes Christ, they cross that line out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And they bring everything with them and the relationships and, and other things. They begin to fall in line. And I'm not saying it's overnight, okay? There was a lot of things with me. It took a little time. But you begin to say, you know what? That doesn't line up with the Bible. And that doesn't, I'm gonna begin to line up with the Bible. Why? Because Christ is in my heart. And so please, I'm not saying, we all, we all are growing. That's not what this is talking about. But this man... He was just living as an example of the unbeliever, but in the Christian church. And so Paul said, it comes, comes time, he wrote to Timothy and he said, them that sin rebuke before all that others may fear. So what he wanted to do was to take him away. And it's a serious thing when you're disfellowshipped. Because in the authority of Christ, you're basically being taken away from the spiritual authority that's over you. It's not just a church building. And if you messed up with God and the church says we don't accept that behavior, you're not going to change, you are cast outside of God's spirit. Not good, okay? I need God to breathe. I need God. I mean, I, I, I remember I've been tempted to do wrong before, and it made me feel physically sick. And I can't imagine living like that all the time until you just kind of like somehow to change my thinking or whatever. I don't. And uh, so what Paul said is just let the devil 
let the devil mess around with them a little bit. And the goal was to get the man to repent, not to kill him. Okay. So uh, you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse, start at verse 6, and you can see that the man repented. And Paul said, bring him back in. Okay. So it was accomplished. That's the goal of God is to have a reconciliation, not to kick someone out. But there has to be a standard, okay? In the military, there's a standard. Reverend Patterson's company, there's a standard. There's no standard. Three, no call, no show, right? Is that the standard? You're out. Three strikes, right? Just like baseball. But there's a standard with God too. And that they were enforcing the standard. So, Verses 6 to 8, the company you keep keeps you. You know, the fellowship is important. We're talking about Christian fellowship, okay? Not people you deal with at work or people that don't know God. This is Christian standards I'm talking about. It's a preacher, but I don't like this. It's a little weird. But you know what? Maybe you was like, preacher, I want something more than just Jesus, Jesus. Well, here you go. This is what, this is a little bit meatier, okay? He said, your glorifying is not good because they were glorifying in all their gifts, but not talking about the standard, the, the spiritual righteousness. And he said, know ye not? Well, it's not that bad that a little leaven, that's yeast, leaveneth the whole lump. Have you ever bought yeast? Does it come in a five-gallon bucket? It looks like a single-serving tea bag, right? It's a tiny little packet. Why? Because you only need a pinch. You know, a pinch of yeast will make the whole loaf rise, right? There was uh, something, Paul, Paul knew that a little bit of sin in a leader, okay? I'm not talking about someone who's new or whatever, someone who just got saved. A little bit of sin in a leader, Paul knew, could infect the whole church. Do you know, have you ever heard of an R-naught factor? It looks like R and a little zero after it. So they measure epidemiology, which is the spread of disease, by this thing called the R, the reproduction. And then the, the number, that naught or the zero, is... It's a basic reproduction of a disease. So it shows how many people one person would infect in a case where everybody could be susceptible. So what's COVID? So one person with COVID, and it's got a variation, will infect two to five people. So that's how they track the spread of the disease, right? So if you got COVID, you can typically spread it to two to five people. Okay. Chicken pox, 10 to 12. So one kid with chicken pox, and it's way more highly uh, spreadable. What's the word? Contagious. Measles, 12 to 18. So it's got a factor of one person can infect 18 people. Now, I don't know what the R naught of sin is, but Paul was concerned enough that there was this one guy and he said, look, we need to get that out. Have you ever had a rotten potato? We have. It smells like there's a dead body in the house, okay? It's like, what is that smell? And you get this one potato that's like half liquefied, right? It's, there's, it smells like there's a rat in your house and it's just hidden back there behind, you know, the Dawn or bottle under the sink. And it was just one, but man, and if you leave it in there, it just infects the whole bag of potatoes, right? So Paul said, purge out, therefore, the old leaven. And this was a reference to the Old Testament. So the Jews, before the Passover, well, let me just share this. So that ye may be a new lump 
as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So, the Passover, when Jesus was crucified, the Jews were celebrating the Passover. And that commemorates when Israel was brought out from Egypt. And, of course, what happened was they would take this lamb and they would sacrifice it. And then they would put the blood on the uprights and in the top lintel of their door and they would stay in the house and the promise was that when I see the blood I'm going to pass over the judgment of God is going to go over us so Paul is alluding to that well right after the Passover was something called the feast of unleavened bread and they kept it for seven days so before the feast though they would go through their house it says um In Exodus chapter 12, verse 19, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. Because whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even his soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. It doesn't matter if you're a stranger or whether you were born. So it's pretty serious. And that's the yeast, right? It was symbolic back then of sin. But in the New Testament, all the symbolism and the, or the, uh, the actual application, they had physical, tangible things. It was a metaphor for spiritual things. So we're not supposed to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread spiritually for seven days. Then once Christ comes into our life, we're supposed to knock the sin out of our house. Let me tell you, speaking of fornication, when I got saved, I went back to my barracks room and my dirty magazines, they were the first thing to go. Why? Because... Christ changed my life and I just, the pastor didn't tell me, I didn't ask anybody, but Christ came into my life. I wasn't married. This is a long time before I got married, but I just said, you know what? Something changed in me. I didn't even, I didn't even know that I'd gotten saved. I just knew I prayed and I felt different and I went to clean my, what was I doing? Taking the leaven out of my house. Okay. It was a barracks room. Okay. So I was sharing it with like two other guys. They had plenty of leaven in there, okay? But I was just dealing with, oh, no, wait, one other guy at that time. But I was just, he was living with his girlfriend at the time. So I was kind of by myself. But it was a wild place. The bathroom had its own stash of dirty magazines. But those were other people's. I was cleaning my house out. Why? Because Christ came into my heart. It says, when you're a Christian, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. God cleans up our hearts. You get saved, you'll go. My brother-in-law was telling me this was so awesome. That this man in his church, so this is a a real illustration. He just, he had been, I guess, seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he went outside of his place to get some cigarettes, right? And he was like halfway to the car or whatever. And the Holy Ghost just came down on him. And, uh. He just stayed out there in the cold, praying in tongues and speaking and, and just, and then it was, I think it was even raining or whatever. And then at the end, he had like squashed the cigarettes up. They were like a wet mess in his hand. But he went back into the house that he shared uh, and he began to pour out all of his alcohol. The preacher wasn't there. And his sister who lived with him came and said, what are you doing? You know, that's expensive, right? Alcohol is not cheap. He was cleaning the leaven. Brethren, I'm not, this isn't a church teaching. This is what happens when you get saved. 
It doesn't matter where you get saved. It doesn't matter if you get saved in a church or listening to a radio preacher or reading a, a track that you find in the urinal or whatever. And, you know, you know, you can you can get saved anywhere. But the results of salvation are from the same Jesus Christ. Your relationship is a commitment and you cut off those things that aren't like Jesus. Amen. So that it says, let us keep. The feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. That's the sin, right? But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Have you ever heard of the word sincere? I've talked about it before. It's, it's Latin. So when you went to the, the market, you could buy this uh, marble vases and different things. And uh, if there were cracks in them, they would take wax and they would put the wax, they'd melt the wax and kind of cover up the imperfections. And then later, when it dried out, you'd see the crack, but you'd be long gone and you'd go back and they wouldn't be there at the flea market anymore, right? They'd be gone, right? Seller does not respond to my email, right? And uh, the people who are more honest sellers, they would stamp under their wares, sin siros. Sin means without, and sidos means wax. So to be sincere is to have no cover-ups in our life, no wax in our life, no things. It's like, I'm just going to cover this up and no one will see it. But you know, when you held it up to the light, you could see where the wax was. And you know that when we get saved, we come into the light. And you know what? God will show us things we don't like. I was talking to my uncle about this illustration. He goes, huh, sonciere, because he speaks French. And he, he realized it was the same thing. And I think it spoke to him because he speaks a foreign language. So he sees how it's applicable. Brethren, that sincerity is what God... And you know what? I like sincere people. Even if they're just growing and they're like, yeah, well, I got to do this and fix this. Well, praise God for sincerity. You know, just being real. So let's go to verses 9 to 13. I got two minutes. Always, okay, a higher standard, 9 to 13. He said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. Again, this is church company, church company, church fellowship. It doesn't have to do with your brother and your uncle and everything else. Yet not altogether, he says, with the fornicators of this world. So it's not talking about people who don't come to church. Or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then ye must, ye needs go out of the world. There's no way to get away from everybody who's living a crazy life, okay? So Paul's not talking about people that you know and you deal with at work. And, you know, you might even have some friends that, um, you know, that they're, they're just wild and crazy. We all have them and work with them. He said, it's, I'm not talking about that. That's what Paul said. That's not what I'm talking about. But I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. So if you say, I'm brother such and such, and you're living with someone and having sex with someone who's not your wife, that's what he said. Or covetousness. Man, that's a sin. I need this and I want that. And that's a spirit, right? Nice car. You gonna help me buy one? Can you co-sign? Covetousness. Or an idolater or a railer, a partier or a drunkard or an extortioner with such and one know not to eat. Don't even eat with them. Don't even, hey, let's go out to um, Chick-fil-A. Tell them you go Sunday. No. <laughs> Paul said, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? He said, God, 
and it, it shares that in verse 13, God's going to judge people that are outside the church. I'm not talking about that. He said, do you not judge them that are within, but them that are without, God judge it outside of the church. He said, that's God's business. Therefore, put away from yourselves that wicked person. So 